With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the Marketers Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. imagined love before and how it could be with you. You really hurt me baby, really cut me baby. How can you have a day without a night? You're the book that I have opened and now I've got to know much more. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, we are now floating in Screamer Celica. My name's Kevin Graham, and as I'm usually joined with, well, Russell's been here the last couple of weeks, I haven't they? As say, say, how are you getting on tonight, mate? I'm good, Kev. Kev, I'm lucky I can remember what you look like, pal, after you've been dinging <laughs> me for week upon week, mate. Um, but no, good to have you back. I feel, I feel like, you know, there was a bit of me missing before, Kev, but... Good to have you back on, man. Back to my old self. But I know Paul did do a good job. He did do a good job. Oh, Paul's a consummate professional, and I'm just an no, amateur I... compared to him. I can I'm an amateur, but meh, I get on with it. I get on with it. Uh, <laughs> Not I mean, at all, mate. What I want to say, now that I'm back after my two-week suspension, it was that money is only resting in my account. I didn't mean it. Didn't I was going to give it back. It was only resting in my account. So I just want to get that out there before the court case. 
So it's it's in the public domain. Uh, Russell, Natasha comes on. Shout out to shout out to another excellent shot from Russell. I'm going to ask you, Russell. I'm going to ask you, Russell. Is that is that your shirt that you wear on Tinder? Is that is that your Tinder shirt? No. You know, you know the Tinder thing, mate. I mean, like it's just not for me, man. You know, I mean, like you know, if folk are looking through five pictures of me <laughs> and then thinking <laughs> they were going to swipe right, they're like, there's just too much to try and get your head around. You know what I mean? So. I thought I'll give Tinder a wide berth because I'm sure if I was on Tinder, Tinder community would be giving me a wide <laughs> berth as well. <laughs> well. Me and Paul came up with something. We should have, we should have painted this, eh? Tinder, the dating app for Celtic fans. Brilliant. Tinder, I like that. Tinder. I like that. I, I think that's what we, we've got to get all the, all the Celtic dads and all of that on that their wives have left them, eh? Tinder. I still think I'd be, I still think I'd be hopeless at it. Like to be honest with you, do you know I've never ever went on. I've never had a, a, a message that I've met online. Just go right up to them, mate. It's the only way. There's Natasha. There's a first customer. Natasha, sign me up, Kev. Paul, we need to, we need to have a discussion after this. <laughs> we need to get this up and running. Natasha's just got the hearts racing of a lot of something. Right oh, I, I do. Hey, the subscription rate is going to go through the roof with number one signing up there, man. <laughs> uh, right, I've got a question to ask you, Russell. Yes. See, I've wandered back in here like a darts player. Like like the the big walk on and all of that. Eh? What would be a darts player name? <laughs> I've got one as well, but I can't. I can't. I know. Um, Come on, I tell, us, tell us what your darts no, player I used is. to say I'd be called Russell the Length Boy. So. <laughs> Russell the Length. <laughs> Why am I saying this, man? I shouldn't be allowed on this show, man. How no? How no? It's great. <laughs> That's what we want. I would all, I was always going to be Kev the Madhouse Graham because oh, I always used to always used to end up in the Madhouse when I played darts for the new market. Eh? Always no, stand, good, mate. Eh, I always used to end up in the Madhouse after that. So <laughs> right, we need to move on. The, the DeLorean's back. Eh, yes. So it was, it was back last week, but I'm driving this week. So uh, we're going back to Edinburgh on the second of April 2017. And we've just parked uh, the DeLorean outside the Murrayfield Hotel on the Kerstoffen Road. Now, I like going to Tyne Castle. It's one of my favourite stadiums to go to, even though I haven't got a really good history there. Eh? Uh, it's the only stadium I've ever been punched at and knocked on Mars outside the, outside the stadium. Probably. And when I was younger in 1991, I got hit with a thunder flash, which was thrown from the heart's end. And I got, wow. I got, and I got took round the, behind the guy who threw it. And the Celtic fans pelted on with pound coins that day at Tynecastle. And my dad, wow. and my dad, who does watch this show, funnily enough, Picked up an absolute fortune in pound coins on the way around the, on the, way around the track. <laughs> thinking so, on his feet, I like that. I like that. Thinking on his feet, Kev. thinking on his feet. Eh, I, I, I go. Eh, the first time we got moved to the school end, they still parked all the, the supporters' coaches up at the old. It's now the the corn exchange, and yep. We walked out and we turned on to, I think that is Gorgie Road actually, turned on to Gorgie Road and I was trying to cross the road to get with other Celtic fans and this Hearts fan ran by me and absolutely scalped me one and I ended up under a Ford Escort. Oh, 
I hope they seen me in real life at Russell. I'm, 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 I'm like, I can get blown away. I'm like, I can get blown away. I'm like, I'm, I'm, a, I'm like a wet paper bag, mate. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not a big man whatsoever. Aye, it was some, some dig the guy hit me and I spun round and ended up underneath a Ford Escort, <laughs> which is, uh, <laughs> so, that, I, and folks say, why do you like going to Time Castle? I says, well, it's got history for me. <laughs> Meantime, it is yeah, some so. venue though. It is. I think out of the away grounds, it is the best one. To be fair, to go to, I think the atmosphere. I think the way the stadium sort of uh, the way it's made. It's sort of like the fans are on the pitch almost. You know what I mean? The touchlines are right on you. A bit like like Hart Lane used to be. Ah. Very similar round the outskirts of the pitch. The fans kind of that steepness, sort of right on top. Yeah, I think I think it creates a good atmosphere. I, I always like when Celtic go to Tin Castle. I always think it's a it's a good game. Oh, it's magic. It's great, eh? and especially that they hate us. <laughs> they, ah. there's, a, there's a section of them despise us with a passion. And that, that makes me wonder, why do they just, just not go and support Rangers? <laughs> it's like, why, why it, if you want to be Rangers fans, just go and be Rangers fans. Stop kidding on that you're Hearts mm. fans. Just, if you want to behave like that, there's a club perfect for you that have got a sizable element, not just a, a, a small element which will welcome you with open arms. But you're right, Tynecastle is a cracking place. And this was a great day to go because we were gone there to win our league, gone, away, gone there to win our league title. Uh, we were gone for six in a row mm. for the third time in our 100 and whatever years unbroken history. And they were going to win the league on match day 30. Now, at this point, Hearts had cut our uh, allocation at Tynecastle. And I was lucky enough to get a ticket this day. And um, the, the way the tickets were distributed that day, AC12 would have had a field day at the Celtic office. <laughs> <laughs> they would have had an absolute field day with the amount of corruption about on the way the tickets were allocated there. Eh? Yeah. See, Russell, I've been away for two weeks and I've brought myself culturally up to date. I like it, I like it. My culture's no stuck in the 90s and the, in the early 2000s. I bring myself right up to date. Uh, even, though I have <laughs> watch, even though I have to watch the whole of, uh, line of duty yet, I'm, I'm on series four now. But I can who the, the baddie is. The radio will tell me who the baddie is. So, so I don't really care whether I need to watch mm. four, five and six. Eh? But anyway, so aye, the way the tickets were distributed... Uh, for this this season, the whole of this season were, was a disgrace. Um, I mean, I used to do the tickets for the affiliation, and we would be getting phone calls all the time to get to come on the Friday night to pick up seventy tickets for Ross County, fifty tickets for this away game, fifty tickets for that away game. As soon as Brendan Rogers turns up, the phone calls stop. Then you get to Tynecastle, and you, and you can tell when you go to Tynecastle that day, there's guys standing outside that stadium who have no missed a game all season. And there's guys walking into that stadium who are at their first away game that season. And that utterly sickens me. And yeah, it's, something, it's something that I hope changes. But money talks, eh? Um, so hopefully we do, hopefully that will change, but it never change in this modern game, eh? I think the flip side, though, is, I mean, when we look at you know what the game was marking, what the team was like at the time, I'll take those negatives, Kev, <laughs> for what was happening on the pitch at that era. Do you know what I mean? Because it was uh, a, a match that just enca- encapsulated exactly 
what the master plan that Rodgers put into place was that season. And I feel like that game, stakes are high, going to go win the league, go do it in style away at Tynecastle. We'll beat them 5-0. And I just think that it's such a game that defines, you know, the joy that was, was being brought to us and then by a, fun, a wonderful management team. And I know some sure we'll get to it, but a wonderful um, sort of first-team squad as well that was really coming of age. Hi, let's have a wee look at the team that ran out at Tynecastle yep. that day because uh, Moussa Dembele and Lee Griffiths were injured. So, in goals were Craig Gordon. Uh, right back, Mikael Wustig, who was replaced by Christian Gamboa on 80 minutes. You even forget Gamboa was at our club. Uh, Simonovic, then Boyata. Boyata, who was replaced by Kaulo Toure on 87 minutes. Tierney, Armstrong, Brown, McGregor, Sinclair, Roberts. Paddy Roberts, who was replaced by Gary Mackay, Stephen on 79 minutes, and wow. James Forrest. Now, the subs that day as well, <laughs> Near Beaton. When I saw Near Beaton was on the bench that day, I think Near Beaton's been on the bench for us for a decade. I think he just permanently sits on the bench. I don't <laughs> think we've covered a game yet where Near Beaton was there on the bench, Kev. <laughs> Even the Cadetty one, I'm sure Beaton was on the bench. <laughs> that's, what, that, that's what it feels like. It always feels Near Beaton's on the bench for us. Uh, Logan Bailey. Again, another failed Rogers, Jack Aitchison and Abui Kowasi. That first 11, man, see when you compare that first 11 to what we've watched this season, that first 11's fantastic, yeah? Well, I think when you're taking Dembele and Griffiths out it and you're still that strong, it speaks crazy volumes. Also, if my memory serves me right, Boyata at the back only really came into the team the second half of that season. I think it was more... Um, the Danish boy Sviachenko that was playing Sviachenko uh, and of course obviously got a lot of first team football as well at the, initially and then uh, faded out the team as well Toure um, was, was basically signed to get us into the Champions League and yeah. done that job because I reckon was that the year we played in Israel was it Israel that year I mean it was him and O'Connell was it not the two centre halves in Israel that night it might may well have been. That's good good memory, Kev. I think you're right. Uh, you know, O'Connell or something. He played again. I think he played both legs. Aye. And uh, Toure basically had a nightmare against Borussia Mönchengladbach that season. Right. And, that, and, and that was the last time we really saw him. Obviously, yeah. his, legs, his legs had went. But he came in and done a job, and he's still a member of Brendan Rodgers' backroom staff. Absolutely. Yeah. Boyata came in that season against Albion Rovers in the Scottish Cup, and he never looked back. Yeah. So after the the winter break, when we, which was a break, and we went to Dubai, I uh, would like to mention Dubai. Is that a bad word? No, I think we should just keep it. Sh- Say Dubai or that? No. So he came in for he, he came in for uh, at that game, the Albion Rovers game. Uh, I think we played that Airdrie. I was at that game. I, I'm sure. The two fullbacks, Mikael Lustig has appeared on Celtic Media today, giving a message to Scott Brown. Brilliant. I, I had a tear in my eye again. I love the big, I love that big fella, man. Yeah. That is a that that is a cult hero. That 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 yeah. is a real that is a real cult hero. And obviously on the left hand side you've got Kieran Tierney, which is when you look That's at the two fun. when you look at the two fullbacks we're sitting with now. Compared yep. to the A2A, that is a that is a massive down downgrade. Eh? Um, I agree. I think as well with Boyata, just quickly as well. I think Boyata is the definition of what we're looking for right now in, in a manager to do. 
It's mm-hmm. come in, you know, I mean, they look at players that are underperforming right now, but still want to be there. And maybe haven't shown their, their, their true abilities as of yet. Mm-hmm. But if you work hard under the, and under whoever the new manager is, and he sees something, he's going to get you to get to levels that you weren't at before. And I think Boyata is a prime example of having a brilliant manager can, can do to someone because none of us would have blinked an eyelid if Dedrick Boyata had left that summer when Rogers took over. We have to be honest there. There's just no two ways we would have accepted it and we wouldn't have thought twice. And by the end, we were turning down £9 million for him and things like that. So, Which may be a regret, but that's a different thing altogether as well. It was really, it was really a surprise when he came into that team uh, for the Albion Rovers game, and Rogers actually says it was because of his attitude, his attitude that he was at the gym, he was training hard, he was he was showing Rogers that he that he that he wanted to serious be, be be in that side, eh? and we can only hope Eddie Howe can do the same. I think they can safely say it's Eddie Howe. Eh? Can, can, uh-huh. can, we, can, can we say it's Eddie Howe? Well, we can, well, hopefully we can hope that, that Eddie Howe does the same. Um, I don't think that's news to anybody that is going to be Eddie Howe, so we'll just... Uh, right. So, the game itself it kicks off. So, in the 24th minute, we score a cracking goal. Scott Sinclair scores his first of the day. And Scott Sinclair gets the ball in front of the Tynecastle main stand. Yep. He, he plays a one-two with Paddy Roberts, and, and Sinclair bursts into the box. He takes a great left foot. He gets a takes a great right foot touch. Then he rockets a left foot shot into the back of the net. And I'll tell you what I remember about this goal. I was in the stadium that day. We actually hit it. We actually heard it hitting the back of the net at, at, at the at the Celtic. Totally get it. Yep. Now you've got 16,000 in the stadium and we actually hear this ball hitting the back of the net. This yes. is not this is no doing the park on a Sunday that you hear the ball hitting the back of the yeah, net. Yeah, yeah. This, this is in a football stadium which is utterly electric. It shows you the venom he's actually hit that ball with. Yeah, I think I think with the, you know you learn you, that season alone with as the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. With like to Sinclair, he was totally ruthless that year. Now, I think that's been a pattern for him, I think, throughout his career. When he's, when he's made a move, he's, like, he's been one of those sport makes real instant impact, and then yeah, and don't get me wrong, when we got a good few years out of him, you know, we got a couple of really good seasons numbers-wise. It's unbelievable. Um, but it certainly seems to be a confidence crisis player, Scott Sinclair. I find it quite sad at times, you know, when you watch someone with all the ability like that, he, he, you know, he, he showed on the pitch that day with that goal, the right foot touch, the left foot finish that you're hearing from the other end of the ground hit the back of the net. And then you look at a guy maybe two and a half years later who, didn't really believe he could take on a man. It was mad. You know, it was, it was what, what, what I have, I think it's quite sad stuff like that. And sports psychology is such an interesting thing in that aspect that you go, all you've done is surely increase your confidence levels by the unreal goals and assist numbers that you're, you're getting, the, the both team and individual awards that you've picked up. And yet, for whatever reason, something happens. And I definitely think it's all in the mind with Sinclair, I felt, when he's performances ended up ended up dipping in that third season of his. Um, I mean, 
especially especially in the third season. But you look at you look at that goal that he scored that that day. That's so remiss. That's when I think of Scott Sinclair, I think of that goal. I think yeah. of his first season. But when I was looking back at his career, when I mean, you look at the number of teams that he's played for, he started at Bristol Rovers, went to Chelsea, loan spells at Plymouth, Queens Park Rangers, Charlton, Crystal Palace, Birmingham yeah. City, and Wigan. Signed for Swansea, went to Man City, and also was on bro on on loan at West Bromwich Albion and Aston Villa before he came to us. He had yeah. a bit of a nomadic career before he basically mm-hmm. he basically found home with us. And it's interesting this season as well that he's actually played thirty three games for Preston this season, which I'm quite pleased about. So he's been a mainstay of their squad this season. That's his numbers like, is it? Do you know? He scored nine goals, thirty-three games, nine goals. So still not bad. Still not bad. He's not a striker unless they're, no, they're utilising him as one. Not but a striker, no. But nine he, from thirty-three is still. I mean, in the championship, better than a goal every four games. It's no, it's no bad numbers at all for a winger, is it? <laughs> That's the bad numbers for a winger. I mean, he scored twenty-five goals for Celtic this season. Musa Musa Dembele got thirty-two, and. We had a player that loved playing with us that day. He, he seemed to actually get it right away. When he signed, it was a statement signing by Brendan Rodgers. It was a statement going, I'm bringing in a guy that knows how I, how I work. And yeah. he's going to show the rest of the squad how yeah. I work. And the fact that he hit the ground running, only I think it set the tone. The fact that he scored the winning goal that day at Tynecastle in the August yeah, yeah, yeah. set the tone of that season. Yeah, I agree. I agree because it could have been a hairy start. You know, if we didn't if we didn't win that game and it was a draw first game, we're gonna be going, geez, oh, is there that much of a difference getting made here or whatever? You know what it's like. I mean, you know, in Scottish football when it's Celtic and Rangers, you know, a one one draw, one negative result at all can lead to mass hysteria. Um As we saw that, as we saw this season. Yeah, well exactly. Exactly, but to be fair, there's been about a million examples of it this season. Do you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. they've probably been rightfully put to the soul. Um, whereas I think I think at that point, it was so important that Rodgers got off to a win just to keep the whole messiah facade all just sort of that, keeping that, that, that bus, you could say, running. Um, because I think he, I think Rodgers, when he was signed, struck the fear into not only across the side, but the whole country. Everyone knew, yeah, you know, this is a, dynamite appointment um, and yeah you need you need guys you know how they operate and Scott Sinclair got us out of jail on his first start there and it's no surprise that when he went back there he went back with a spring in his step um, and, and a man with all the confidence in the world Three minutes later we're two nothing up and yep. we Paddy Roberts is involved in it again he, won, he gets the ball in the middle of the park and, he, and Sinclair makes the run the Hearts defenders try to play him offside but he's a mile on so, like Paddy Roberts lays the ball perfectly in front of him yeah. and a right-footed shot one-on-one with a goalkeeper bottom corner eh? and that's us that's the game virtually done at that point but the first two goals we've seen the first two goals of this game we've seen invention and creativity that we've been lacking so much this season that wee bit of that wee bit of quick thinking by two players who are yep. on the same length or who are on the same wavelength who have well coached they know what they're meant to do in the positions that they're played and again this goal is down to that that coaching and teamwork 
I agree. I think I think as well, I mean, I've said it before, I think you're looking at two guys there that have got the killer instinct at that point. They've got the eye of the tiger, mate, and that's been completely lacking from this season. Nothing's done impulsively. Nothing is done impulsively. Now, whilst we've criticised Neil Lennon on various, you know, the, 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 the acts on Bullet and things like that, fairly, may, may I add, but a lot of it was because Lennon just wants you to, you've got the ability to make something happen. Players, for all we say, they need coached and they need guided through every aspect of the game, and I completely agree that that's the modern footballer now. It's still so funny that Rodgers was getting that balance right where he was coaching them through every aspect of their game, but also giving them that belief to flourish and do things off the cuff, as you would say. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Such as that, that that sort of interchange there between Roberts and Sinclair. And you're absolutely right. That has been missing this year. It has. But, you know, you look back at that time and you go, it wasn't so long ago we were, we were capable of that. And hopefully it won't be too long away in the future as well. It wasn't, and I think it's a sign of the quality of the two players that we had there. I mean, we're playing without a centre-forward that day. Basically, Paddy Roberts is playing as a false nine, if I want to get into technical terms. I didn't give him a false nine. I just, so I'm just saying it to actually make myself look decent. <laughs> uh, so so he, he, he's playing as a centre-forward that day, but he's dropping deep and he's dragging the centre-half deep and he's using his creativity to to uh, bring it on and we Roberts was fantastic that season as well I mean that was um, his second season with us because he signed in the January 2015, 2016 yes. under Dyler and he, he was he, he, Roberts at this point was fantastic and when we got him back on loan the following season eh, I mean we were all over the moon to get that Paddy Roberts back that version of Paddy Roberts, but and that's a version of Paddy Roberts that we all remember, uh, rather than now we're four four years later. Roberts himself got in that. He scored. He scored. He scored the. He scored the fourth goal this day. But in between those goals, uh, in the fifty fifth minute, uh, Kieran Tierney bails up the left wing. He plays the ball into the middle, and Callum McGregor has a wee step over, and Stuart Armstrong picks up the ball about 22, 23 yards from from goal, and he rifles one in at the bottom corner. And there's another player who, everything he seemed to hit that season from the edge of the box went in. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And again, Stuart Armstrong, even that season, what, how many games have we played? 60, Kev, something like that? 60 odds, I think, yeah. 60, 60, say 61, 62 games. Armstrong probably only started 35. I think he's right, right. So you're going. That's the quality of depth that we had as well. I mean, I'm completely making that up, by the way, the 35 thing. But you know, I would say roughly he probably started more than half the games. But I don't think he started. You know, he wasn't playing nine out of ten matches in a row. No, no danger from not from the start anyway. I certainly think he would have collected a lot of sub appearances as well. But you think a Stuart Armstrong right now would waltz into the Celtic team? He would waltz into it now four years on. You look at what Paddy Roberts was doing then, and again, someone that was competing with James Forrest on a regular basis for a place in the team. And they seemed to, for whatever reason, the two of them brought the best in each other. I know a lot's made of Roberts and uh, Tierney's relationship um, off the field. But I actually think that the impact that Roberts had on Forrest, and probably a bit vice versa, was very, very underrated. And, and they definitely seemed to push each other onto new levels that they maybe haven't achieved since in the case of Roberts. And the forest has managed to sustain because he's got to a place and, and carried it on. 
Um, although I'll give a wee doff the cap to Roberts, he's got a fantastic goal for Derby to help keep them up at the weekend. Ah, but then he um, must have then he must have sat her straight uh, after that. I know, I know, I know, I know. He did miss a sitter, but the goal he scored was so reminiscent of that paddy that you're talking about. We want to remember, you know, the open up the body, the curl, the technique. It was all there for him. Eh? Um, it's reminiscent of the goal that he scores in this game. It's <laughs> uh, actually reminiscent. To go back to the third goal, if you have a look at Callum McGregor's part in it, McGregor steps over the ball to let Armstrong go. So we can't tell if Armstrong shouted for him to do it or McGregor's just done it knowing that sure. Armstrong's there. But then you watch McGregor run. McGregor makes a dash into the box because he knows Stuart Armstrong's going to shoot. And McGregor's made that run into the box like a centre forward to go, if that keeper spills it, I'm here. Yes. And again, and on you go, sorry. Sorry, he just opens it up a wee bit for Armstrong as well. Uh, that's what he, it does to you, taking a player away. It's something when you see a team that's confident and comfortable in the way that they're playing. Things like that make a difference. Totally, uh, Kev. It really makes a difference. And even McGregor breaking into that box, making that run, that's something we haven't seen for Callum this season either. Going, I'm going to to go. Facebook user, uh, sorry, unless you log into Facebook and and we can't see your name. Stuart Armstrong played 31 games in the league that year, averaged 2.74 points when he played. So he played 31 games that season, eh? So he was 31 out of 38 in the league, but that's, I, I don't know, I, but my point was about how many times he started in those 31, and right. I guess he didn't start. But, that's, but what I'm trying to say is, he wasn't someone that had to be in the team week on week. It wasn't like he had, to, he was a, he wasn't starting as many games as Scott Brown or Callum McGregor, put it that way, and yet yeah. you would cry out for a Stuart Armstrong. Please, I was trying to, it was a compliment I was trying to, to, trying to pray, uh, give him and give the strength to the squad at the time. I feel that, um, you know, having a guy like Stuart Armstrong, you know, 31 out of 38 games these days would be phenomenal, mate. <laughs> you know, he would be definitely playing 38 out of 38, provided he was fit. Uh, Neil Francis Lennon comes in. <laughs> Neil F. Lennon comes in. Um, are your guys aware that Celtic scored more late goals last year than the previous year under Brendan Rodgers? We're talking about the peak Brendan Rodgers side here. The, the, the Brendan Rodgers side that Neil Lennon took over was yes. was was treading water, and even the the second treble season we weren't as dynamic as we were this se- the the season that we're actually talking about. So yes, we all, we do know that Niels Lennon's side scored more late goals. I get that. I, I, I get it. I think I think the, the the thing is though, this was the culmination of the first season with uh, Rogers, and it was a celebration of a team that was the rip roaring, free scoring, mm-hmm. never boring, and it was. And I think after that it did become a bit, maybe not so much the start, first half of the second season, but I definitely think by the time we got towards the end of the second season, particularly season three, a bit pedestrian and a bit a bit ball retention orientated that wasn't really for the, you know, wasn't with the same drive and dynamic dy, dynamics that you were talking about and, and purposes before. It was almost sometimes keeping the ball for the sake of keeping the ball, which could at times you can't deny it. It was a wee bit annoying to watch at times. You can't rewrite history, but it was still successful. I mean, I think we could maybe say by the time you get to season three of Brendan Rodgers, he's already working his ticket. When, uh, before the AK Athens game, when he says there's a problem with Peter Law, with regards... Yeah, 
uh, uh, so you know at that point, and the play and, and the player and the players can pick up on that vibe, and you, you've got the uh, so you've got the whole um, go to China thing, the, the Musa Dembele thing. You've got oh, oh, the Boyata thing, Boyata not playing and stuff like that. So there's a lot of factors into that, and we players are not stupid. <laughs> players can pick up on stuff like that when their managers work when their managers work a nice ticket, eh? And as me and Paul have, have says, we were told in that December that he was going to Leicester. Yeah. We, we, uh, by somebody that worked in the media. We, we, we were told that. Um so when we look back on this, this is peak Brendan Rogers. This 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 is a peak Brendan Rogers Celtic. This, this is an all conquering Celtic side and one we want to see coming back. The fourth goal is Callum McGregor wins the ball in the middle of the park and he plays it to Paddy Roberts. So Paddy Roberts, left foot, left foot, goes onto the edge of the box and curls a cracking goal into the top corner. And what I love about this goal, it's the joy on his face when he goes to the Celtic end and just stands there with his arms outstretched. You just it's, stole it from oh, me. Oh, sorry, mate. Right on you no, go. No, no, sorry. That was exactly... That, it's so funny. That just shows you that, you know, the... We both picked up on that the exact same way. It was exactly a celebration. Do you know what I liked about it? It was a bit of gallusness in it. That's I think I like that. I mean, I, you know, I try to be gallus myself probably, but misled. But some of these guys can do it with real ability, you know. And it's and I like to see a wee bit of gallusness in it. And you know, you know, I remember then he was what twenty, twenty one. Yes, uh, he's only twenty four now, so he was twenty. All right, twenty then. Do you know twenty just. Away at Tynecastle, atmospheres that, let's be honest, you don't get many grounds in England, especially in the circuit that he'd operated in at that point, which was really just one season with Fulham, I think he'd been at a sort of half a regular at. He wasn't used to hostile atmospheres like Tynecastle, albeit he'd been there before with us. But I just think at 20 to be doing something you know was brilliant. Looking at the euphoria on the stand, you're winning the league title, you've played a part in it, and he's just... Just, I just think that's gallusness. There's a wee bit, of, you know, we need to get more gallus. I like that. We, we like parallel universes in this, in this, well, I do anyway, on this podcast. Eh? And do you think there's a parallel universe where Paddy Roberts has, is still at Celtic and, and is not the player now who's only started 23 games since he left Celtic four years ago? It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, 
Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct to Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. I think there is. I think there's a huge, huge argument for it. I don't know. I think you need to remember as well, when Paddy Roberts was at Celtic, he was he was getting sponsorship deals. I think it was Adidas that he had which was out of this world. He was rated so highly. It was it was almost like Kieran Tierney was his wee brother sort of thing. You know, it was like Tierney was looking up to Paddy Roberts like this icon, you know, how far removed that would be now, of course. Well, there, there, was, a jo- there, there was a joke that Paddy Roberts was staying with Kieran Tierney's mom that had bunk beds, eh? Aye, <laughs> I, I, I love all that. But I think, I think if Roberts had stayed, firstly, he would have played a heck of a lot more than 24 games you're referring to in the last four years. When that... I find that a bit. I find that a bit tragic. You know, we're talking about Scott Sinclair losing confidence. Maybe not the same player he was, but still has nine and thirty-three for for Preston this year. And you, you look at where Paddy Roberts' careers took him since Celtic, and you know, were you getting the right advice? Did Celtic maybe just not push the boat out? We've seen that with enough transfers as well. Um, but in the parallel universe, Kev, I think he would be arguably in the Premier League already right now, playing regular football for a top half team. Not top six, but top half. Well, let's go even further. If future Paddy Roberts jumped out the stand and jumped on that Paddy Roberts that's standing there celebrating, he would probably would tell him, stay here. Yes. I stay here, didn't, didn't he do? Right, there has been some injuries and all that with Paddy Roberts. He's went to Girona, he's went to Middlesbrough, he's went to uh, Norwich. Uh, he's, been, he's been at Middlesbrough twice and now he's at Derby County. But for a player of his quality to only have started 23 games since he's been at Celtic, eh, that, is, that is really, for me, it's, it's quite heartbreaking, actually. Aye, uh, and he's stuck, I mean, he's just, obviously he's just left Derby County now because he was there on loan and he's still got a year left on his Man City contract. One of the most interesting things when I was, when, when I was doing some research about this. Paddy Roberts has only played 20 professional games for his parent club. So, of all the games, I think he's played about 100 games all in, but he's only played 20 games for his parent club. 19 for Fulham and 1 for Man City. Wow. I mean, that that is frightening. And I think as well, I mean, he must have signed the longest contract in the history of the world of Man City because I'm sure he's had a year left since I've ever known who Paddy Roberts was. There's always been this one more year on his Man City contract. Do you know what I mean? I, I, I know. And it's like, even when I looked up that last night, I said, he's still got a year left on that Man City contract. I'm gone. It's, it's, 
he has been injured during that period, but you, you have a look at the periods where, when you actually have a look on transfermarket.com and that where, where I get sure. this information. For, there's, a, there's a load of games he's just going on the bench, on the bench, on the bench, never gets off the bench. He's, he seems to be in a lot of the squads and doesn't come on. Then when he does come on, he comes on on the 81st minute, 79th minute, st- stuff like that. They seem to throw him on if they need a, a wee bit of magic to, to win games. He's actually played the last eight or nine games for Derby County. Eh? So that could maybe be a, a destination for him. But it's always the question. Would we take him? I would take him back. I would take him back if we were getting tink, that Tyne Castle Paddy Roberts. I would take him back in a second. I still would. I mean, I don't think it's. Um, I don't think it's the end of the world if we get Paddy Roberts. So we don't get Paddy Roberts. Kev, um, you've frozen mine, by the way. So I don't know if it's my connection or yours. By the way, just so you know, uh, somebody um, else has just came in, but I'm fine here. And I, I know you're, you're you're back alive, mate. Um, it was just a case it was a mind. I didn't know. Um, but I, 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 I would take him back, to be honest with you. And I know it's a, it's a, there's a lot of romanticism involved in it, but the football is romantic. I also believe there's one heck of a talent in there. And would Paddy Roberts have done as well in the last 18 months under Neil Lennon? Probably not. It probably would have been a similar story. We need to be honest with that. Um, and I think under someone like Eddie Howe, yeah, yeah. I mean, I would take the chance because I think you could get him for buttons as well. To be honest with you, I think as well established, he's never going to be a Manchester City player. There's a good relationship between the clubs. One and a half million. Bring him home. I wouldn't be campaigning for it, but I would be all for it if it were to happen as well. If I'm being completely honest, I've not got a bus for Paddy Roberts. Put it that way. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's not first choice. But if if he came back, we, we would welcome coming back because yeah. he's the type of boy and the type of talent which is born to play for Celtic. That's me. Uh, yeah. So, so we scored a fifth goal that day. And it was on the 84th minute, Sinclair burst into the box and wins a penalty kick. It's a soft right. penalty kick. It is a soft penalty. I'm not going to, I'm not going to deny that. Eh? But stuff that happened. Um, it's a nice penalty kick as well. So that season, right, Scott Sinclair wins four Player of the Year awards. He wins, nah. the, two at, he wins the two at Celtic, the Players' Player of the Year and the, and the Writers' Player of the Year. Uh, he left Celtic only January last year. It felt like he left Celtic actually ages ago. That's so true. So true. When, when, when you get when you get round to that, but it was only last January that he left that he left Celtic. And I think this must be a record. Somebody will maybe come in and tell me something different. He never lost a trophy any time he was in Scotland. Every trophy he went for it, he won. No, of course, I, that makes perfect sense. He, he was he left with ten medals and that's, three and a half ten medals in three and a half seasons. That's animal animal material. Like, I love that. That 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 is frightening. That is absolutely frightening. Anytime I see that, I'm like, wow. That that is a what what a what a, a thing to say. I never lost. I never I never, I never lost a I never lost a competition in Scotland. Yeah, and Brendan Rogers can both say that, can't they? Aye, which is which is quite amazing. He also says in 2017, and 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 this goes this goes back to what I, what I was saying uh, with the number of clubs that he had played. He also says, "I've been with so many clubs. 
I think here I feel like I've found a home. He says that at the end of that season. And I think that showed. And for me, he's welcome back at Celtic Park anytime as Scott Sinclair. Oh, come on. Yeah, that goes I think that goes without saying, Kev, if we're being honest. I think he's I think he was someone that because his form or his his contribution in games and he was such a noticeable player when he was on his game because it was electric when you were watching him. Do you know what I mean? It was fast paced, high tempo dribbling emphatic finishes like we've discussed tonight, brilliant trickery. Um, and, and obviously you associate obviously with winning football matches and trophies as well. And then towards the end, just that uncertainty in his game, it was such a contrast from where he was that I think it's easy to then remember that Scott Sinclair because it was, you were in shock at the difference between the, the, the two versions, if you like. Mm-hmm. Um, but believe you me, when we look back and he's retired, he's long retired, and you're looking at the season... DVDs, but it should be on the Celtic app that I've already pitched on here before. Um, and you're looking at the old the old matches, and you see Scott Sinclair in full flow. You'll go, he was a heck of a player for us for a, a, a and you know what, for a far more considerable period of time than you might think right now. He played every game. He had a lot of onus on him to deliver in in in, in the big games as well, uh, and he did so. I mean, I always remember there was one that he scored. I think it was Inverness away. And he just sort of dribbled. They backed off him a bit. And he just curls into the far corner like he's just... He's just stroked it like he was even trying. It was... And he just walks away doing like that with his hands. You're like, that's a guy who's brimming with confidence. And, you know, I think we focus on those memories that are, you know, the the, the hesitant Scotty Sinclair that that maybe crept into his game a wee bit later. But after 25 comes in on the comments and he says Scotty Sinclair got Celtic. We got Scotty Sinclair as well. After they got that racist abuse at Ibrox, which seems never to get spoke about, especially recently. Um and this and the Green Brigade done done the done the display in that for him. That that was that was really one of the most touching moments I saw during during Scott Sinclair's time uh, at Celtic as well. He got us, we got him, and I think we're lucky to have. We were lucky to actually see Scott Sinclair uh, at that peak. Uh, I, th- I think we saw Scott Sinclair at the greatest season that he's ever going to have as a player. And yeah. when, when Scott when Scott Sinclair retires, he will say Celtic are the greatest club that he's ever played for. I think so. I think that you've just nailed it. Right, I've got a couple of questions to ask you as well. Right. If you were having a best eleven of the quadruple treble teams, would Paddy and Scott Sinclair get in there? Paddy can get in it. James Forrest has to be picked ahead of him. He's contributed far more to uh, the quadruple treble than, than, than what Roberts did. Um, Scott Sinclair is a must for me to be in it for the... The two really brilliant years. How many goals did Sinclair leave Celtic with having scored? 90 or something like that? No, it's 60-odds, I think. 60-odds, sorry. I, I, I think it's 60-odds off the top of my head. He was averaging 20 a season in his three years. I mean, we, can't leave, we can't believe that out the, the quadruple treble or 11. Like, no way. Definitely no not. way. Um, I, I, agree you with you. I, I agree with you. Scott Sinclair's a definite to get in the quadruple treble 11. Uh, Paddy Roberts, as you say, you've got Forrest, Forrest there, and I, 
is debatable. I would need to actually think about the formation and all of that, but Sinclair's a definite for me. Definite. I for think me. with Sinclair as well, look how much we've not replaced him. Look how difficult it's been to replace exactly. him. Now. Moyes, Moyes contributed a lot more goals than I think I was aware of this season. I remember we had a debate on the Axon Bulletin about, about El Unison whether we should keep him permanently and things. And I remember you, one of you said he'd scored 14 goals. I thought, well, fair enough, actually, in a, in a terrible team this year, a, you know, a team that's having a terrible time of it, that's one heck of a return. But it's still nowhere near the numbers that Scott Sinclair was doing. And I, I think, and it's not from the same position either because Moyes moved about his role as well in the team. But I certainly think that left side, we have never replaced Scott Sinclair um, at all, effectively. And, you know, you wonder if we let him go at a time that was maybe too early. I mean, I wonder if it was the right time to let him go because I just think someone with that experience, that knowledge and that ability, you know, if we've not got an adequate replacement lined up, why let him go? And in, in, in the last in the last eighteen months, I don't think he would have helped us. Uh, where we are at this precise moment in time, I don't think he would have helped us. And I'm quite I'm actually glad that he left when he did. I'm, yeah, I, 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 I'm glad I'm glad he's away and he's not going to be tarnished. No, being, like about, that, like being, being about this season. Going to ask you another question. That 11 that day, Gordon Mustig, Simonovic, Boyata, Tierney Armstrong, Brown, McGregor, Sinclair, Roberts and Forrest. If they played the team that played at Ibrox a couple of weeks ago, and I'm talking about... So McGregor plays McGregor, Brown plays Brown, but they're four years younger. All oh, right, Celtic right. v Celtic, sort of. Celtic v Celtic. How many goals would that team take off the current Celtic rabble? I think you're looking at a similar scoreline at Tynecastle. I think you're I, looking at four or five nil. I mean, there's no way that that that, that current in, incumbent of my team are going to score against that 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 Rogers first season team. No way. Boyata and, and Jozo, whether it be them two, whether it be Kolo, whether it be um, Sviachenko at the back, we'd be able to contain a, an uninterested Edward all, all day, every day. Not a problem at all. And that unit of a back four with Lustig and Tierney, but also they offer going forward, but also strictly defenders. I think people forget that as well with those two. Total mm-hmm. defenders. The interchange in the midfield would be bamboozling, perhaps a slightly aging Scott Brown, in fairness to him. Um and then, yeah, I mean, up front, I just think, you know, you you bring, you bring uh, you know, Scott Sinclair coming in for one wing, Paddy Roberts, false nine. This is without Dembele and Griffiths, I'm saying. I know, I know, I know. Fire them in it and you're going seven or eight. That's how, bad, that's how much there's a bit of a difference, by the way. That's how much that team's been allowed to declare. I'm going to get myself wound up here now, okay, we're having a good show. But that is crazy how much you can be in a position of strength and let something just fall off a cliff where you just wouldn't back any of these guys now to, to, to replace the ones of old. I even know some of them are the same people. I know, and yet I you, know. you've got to progress. Terry Natal Rowe comes in and says, don't look back in anger, Russell. Don't look back in anger. I like it's- it, mate. I like it. I know. I'm trying to, trying to stay level-headed, my man. Fair dues. Fair dues. Uh, and... I mean, I think I'm going to quote Ian Brown here, eh? Don't be sad it ended, be thankful it happened. I think that's mm. a good way. Right, one last question before we go into the music. One last right. question. Would that 11 beat the current Rangers team? Oh, come hands, on. I don't, hands, I don't. 
Hands down. Hands down. Yeah, I don't think there's a debate there at all. I don't no, think that. No debate whatsoever. You know, you look at their best players this year, and I think whilst Tavernier, I remember saying, I used to I used to say it in my Rangers supporting mate, back then at that very season, I wanted Celtic to sign James Tavernier. I promise you he'd back me up on that. He was like, you what? I, mean, I think we should just throw in a bit. Use our skin. At the time, the, that was the, obviously we've heard that for a million years. I don't get too focused on all that nonsense. But yeah, mate, I would have I wouldn't take Tavernier over Lustig any day of the week. I wouldn't take Tavernier over a one-legged Lustig with oh, a blindfold on and a horseman's hat. Nah, nah. Oh, be gone with you. Be gone with that nonsense, Russell. Yeah, anyway, gone what with my that. point was, in all the key positions, we've got better, we've had, we had far better players in, in our lineup than they did. Although the right back option, I probably would have took. There we go. I'll sell my soul to the devil. Oh, you, you need to go, you, we need an exorcism here. We need an exorcism. <laughs> a somebody, a player, somebody call a priest, quick. No, so, no. We're going to move on to the music for that time. It's not an extended show this week. We should have told the audience. Uh, we should have told the audience that uh, because there's other folk in the studio, so. We're going to try and fit it into about an hour, an hour and five minutes. <laughs> uh, so we'll, we'll still be here next Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Philip DeMarco, I don't know if he's... Because there's some strange chat going on tonight. Again, Russell doesn't look at the chat, eh? But no, no, no. Uh, fuzzy picture, slow talking and funny hairdos. I'm feeling it. I don't know. <laughs> Everything seems quite fine at this end. I know, you're freezing all the time, Kim, but it's all good. You can hear you absolutely crystal clear. That's all that matters. You've right now got a frozen big smile on the face on your face. It's brilliant. Which is actually quite weird because I'm actually sitting right on top of the on top of the router. So I know as if I'm sitting in the kitchen anywhere, eh? Mate, I do a broadband every day. There's no rhyme or reason for that, uh, honestly. I think, I think it's just trying to tell me I need to go down to the studio. I think it's trying to tell me that. Mm-hmm. Well, look at the music for that week. Um, and this really shows you how music's changed since we spoke, right? We, we, me, and Russell had a, me and Russell had a conversation saying that we're likely to, like, struggle the later it goes <laughs> in music because music's completely and utterly rubbish now. I've struggled again. The charts this week... Let me read this to you. Ed Sheeran is number one with The Shape of You. He's number two with Galway Girl. He's number five with Castle on the Hill. He's number 12 with Perfect. He's at number 19 with New Man. He's also at number 22, 23, 27, 28, 33 and 35. And he's got bloody three albums in the top 10. That's insane. What's that all about? What? That just shows you how streaming has changed the way music is. I think Ed Sheeran was the biggest threat to Brendan Rodgers' Invincibles that season, mate. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest with you. Wait, you that you is some, some actually, that. But I mean... When you see that... Yet, I mean, I just think when, when you're going through the charts, like you rightfully say, that was... I mean, Ed Sheeran's name was standing out like a sore thumb and it. And it is becoming like you go, some of the modern era, you want to talk about the football, so brilliant, and then you go to the music and you're going, what am I going to do here? And I thought today, I'm just going to go for an album I don't know. I'm going to listen to it all day, and I listen to it twice, uh, start to finish, which is one of the beauties of Scream Asylica, because these shows are, the beauty of them is they're not topical, 
they are timeless because you can watch this show at any time and you know that date in football happened that we're talking about in the game the album is going to be there for you to listen to at any time so right. if you actually embrace the experience and maybe listen to one of the albums Kev said you know or I suggest it can be quite it can be quite fun um because the, the Maximo Park album, I didn't even know they were still making music in 2017. They were about as credible a bunch as I could see on what was a depressing chart, Kev. Uh, and the album was okay. I mean, there was moments that were... I thought the first track and the third track were outstanding. Really good melodies, but at times he's trying to bring, like, government stuff and all that in and, like, make political statements, but singing like a comedian at times. And I'm like, it doesn't all work. And he's got that horrible Biffy Clyro thing about him, Kev, right? Where he tries to fit too many syllables into too short a space of time. You know, like that Biffy Clyro, Clyro song that says, how do you feel about things today? I'm like, there was no room for all that, mate. <laughs> there wasn't enough room. And Maximo Park on this album are just a wee bit guilty of straining, using too many big words that, that aren't necessary. But in terms of the melodies and a lot of the songs, and if you thought that could be listened to in the background, whilst maybe a couple would stand out for you, I thought the album was worth listening to. We really need some sound effects for this and have a wee ding ding, listen to aye. that one. Aye. We really need some sound effects. Why don't we start giving an album a rating every week, Kev, that we do? On the go, fire away. Right, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give it six point five out of ten. I'll start that point just so we get right into the nitty gritty for the week going on. Do we want to do ten? We just do out of nine because we didn't like tens. So we just, <laughs> just do out of nine. So, so is that a five point five out of nine? <laughs> That's good. That's good. Uh, uh, so yeah, well, if we want to do it out of nine, yeah, we'll do it out of nine. Let's give ourselves nine. Aye, we'll do it out of nine. Five and a half out of nine, but worth the listen. If you've liked, particularly if you've liked any of their older stuff, um, I think they've still used the same sort of gimmicky sort of sound bites that Maximo Park you would associate with our velocity and boots and boxes at times. I do think that is better material than some of the stuff I heard in the new album. But uh, yeah, I did. I mean, see when the first track started, and that is what is it? What have we done to you to deserve this? Uh, I, as soon as it started, I thought, oh, I'm digging this. This is good. And I did enjoy that song. And then the second one, not so much. But the third track, I cannot remember the name to save my life. I thought that was really, really good. But then they've got songs like, you know, I'll Be Around. And you're like, that's not reinventing the wheel, Kev. You know, from a uh-huh. band that's been doing a lot of lyrics, like, as I'm saying, I'm picking up on listening to this about right-wing politics, about um, people's sort of vocabulary and how you say things and using a lot of, a lot of grammar, shall we say, right? You know, but you know, they played Scrabble a few times in their life, these boys. And then and then you've got a chorus just saying, I'll be around, which is not reinventing the wheel for me. And I just think it was a wee bit like, why don't you just call the song this is a filler track on the album? Just call it that, mate. Do you know what I mean? Because stuff like that I find that a wee bit lazy, especially with the effort they went to with a lot of the lyrics in the, uh, on the rest of the CD. God, it sounds like I'm parroting it, but I actually didn't mind it. <laughs> I did quite enjoy it. <laughs> I, I must admit, I listened to it as well. Um, oh. And I did listen to it. I'm not a massive Maxino Park fan, and I struggled yeah. to get to the end of the album. I did struggle to get to the end of the album, I, I must admit. I did like the first track. The first track had a wee, like, disco. So I'll, I'll, I'll give it 
a, a free out of nine. I will give wow. it a free, I will wow. give it a free out of nine. Wow. Um, like you, I was a bit worried when I started going through the charts of this week. I, mean, I actually thought you were going to go for the Beauty and the Beast soundtrack, which was at number eight that week. Um, <laughs> then there was two other, like, because it's... A, because it's because it's download uh, charts, eh? Fleetwood Mac with rumours is in the charts, and so is Bob Marley with Rip Legend. Yeah, I've so, seen I, 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 so, so we could do, so we could do that. But what I was really pleased about at number sixteen uh, was the Jesus and Mary chain with Damage and Joy, uh, their seventh album and their first album in nineteen years. Yeah, it, it gives me it gives me a chance to talk about the Mary chain if we having to go back to nineteen eighty five. Which is, which is brilliant. This was the first album in 19 years, and it's an album that I really listened to quite a bit around about this period. And it's a, a great album. It's an album that's made up of like, it's, it's a mixture of new songs, solo stuff, and songs for other bands that they were involved in and they basically just give them a Mary take them Mary Chain take on them eh? cool. there's one song called All Things Pass which was originally used on the NBC series uh, Heroes did you watch Heroes that was a superhero uh, 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 it was a superhero like programme it ran for, I think it ran for about four series or something like that eh? and strangely enough the, the one of the main characters, that the actor uh, or the actress, I don't think we're allowed to say that anymore, I think they're all uh, actors, uh, Hayden Panateri was, um, that's who I named my daughter after, her name's Hayden uh, wow. and, and that's where we first saw the name, that's where me and my wife first saw the name Hayden for wow. a girl Hayden that's for a girl, wow. so did you know that she was also married to Vladimir Klitschko? She was Vladimir Klitschko's wife. Wow. That, that, that is good trivia. You've always got stuff that, 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 that came up your sleeve. Uh, <laughs> that is good. That, that, that is, that is, uh, that is um, um, I found that out the day. I went, oh, that's, a, that's a bit weird, that. Uh, what I like about the Mary Chain is a lot of folk have tried to be the Jesus and Mary Chain and utterly failed because they make the simple sound absolutely great. And today, everybody goes, today that Motown, uh, Motown noise, Velvet Underground stuff, is uh, it's easy today. The only band that ever come close is Scott Howe comes in. Glass Vegas have got that Jesus and Mary Chain vibe. They're the only band that ever got close to how mm-hmm. good that the Mary Chain actually did. But even then, Glass Vegas, for me, have got their own take on it. Las Vegas, I've got a maybe more soulful take on the Mary Chain's rough and ready Jim Reed, Jim Jim Reed like vocals. For me, so you've got the Barrowlands and you go down for the Barrowlands. You've got the Barrowlands Park and you've got the the walkway where it's got all the names of the bands that have played at the Barrowlands. You ever you ever been in that park, no? Obviously, 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 it's a great place. I've been walking back, back into the Toon Centre for Celtic Park a couple of times, and I go and actually see it and have a look at gigs that have been at and the dates. It's got all the dates of the gigs, oh, and, yeah. I, and I go and have a wee look. And, and sometimes my memory gets jogged. I went, oh, I was at that gig. I, 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 I forgot all about that. It's fantastic. I reckon there should actually be a statue of the Jesus and Mary chain in there. I do think there should because I think they're one of the greatest Scottish bands ever. They, they're, they're one of the most influential Scottish bands ever. And 
they actually started the whole creation thing. If you didn't have the Jesus and Mary chain, you're not going to have Oasis later on. You're not going to have yeah. Ride. You're not going to have these these bands that come out of creation records because the Mary chain actually made that happen. Alan McGee got lucky with the, the fact that the Mary chain were his pals. And like Bobby Gillespie ended up playing the drums, and you ended up getting like the the primal scream out of that as well. Eh? So, 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 so it was Bobby Gillespie. Just to be clear, he was back in the band for this new album, the first one they released in nineteen years. No, no, Gillespie was no. only in the, the first album when he was standing up, doing the Mo Tucker playing the drums. Uh, this album basically was came on the back of them getting back together to, for them doing Psycho Candy at the Barrowlands because the two brothers, the two Reed brothers, <coughs> never spoke to each other for years. They, they, there was an utter falling out. Uh, alcohol and other things got in the way of the relationship, shall we say, and they never spoke to each other for years. I went to see, this is, this is 1997 Barrowlands that they supported the Primal Scream. The Jesus and Mary chain supported the Primal Scream. That's bad. And uh, I, was, I was I went to see the Primal Scream that night and the brothers couldn't look at each other on stage. Really? Uh, they were that they were late on stage and it was quite obvious that Jim Reed was a uh, worse for wear, shall we say. Um because you could actually tell that the road crew were looking for him and seemingly he was in Baird's next door when the road wow. crew were trying to find him. Eh? And it, at that point, they broke up. They had just released a great album called Monkey, and they broke up just after that. Eh? Uh, but I, then I went to see them doing the... I'm going to laugh there, because Philip DeMarco comes in and goes, 1997, I was in jail in Benidorm. <laughs> <laughs> what a random comment that is. <laughs> I was in jail in Benidorm. Do you know who yeah. that is? That is Del Piero, boy. Del Piero, I know it's... Twitter. <laughs> yeah, he's a legend. He cracks me up. <laughs> um, so the, the the brothers got back together for a, a got back together for a psycho candy at the Barrowlands, and it was that was a fantastic gig that night. They played two nights at the Barrowlands. One of the loudest gigs I've ever been at. Yeah. Um, uh, brilliant, brilliant, and this album came out came out of it. Uh, so I'm looking forward. The, the Mary Chain are playing at the, I think they're playing at the bandstand um, this year, if it happens. Okay. Aye, so the Primal Scream and the Mary Chain are both playing at the bandstand this year, I, I think. Um, but one of the, obviously, Russell, me and you have both got links to Sterling. And one of the myths that always kicked about about the Jesus and Mary Chain was that they used to spend their summer holidays at a granny's in Kiwi. See, see where they had relations in Kiwi that they used, right. to, go and, that they used to go and spend okay, their right. holidays with. See, it's a load of rubbish. But it's one, wow. it's, one, it's, it's, it's one of those it's one of those little myths that I want to be true. Who comes up with that story? I, 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 I don't know. I did again. But I, I, I just could picture Jim and William Reed. For those who know the area, like we come from Kiwi's a wee mining village, and I could actually just <laughs> picture them walking about this wee mining village <laughs> in, in the late 70s, early 80s, all dressed in black. The first time I saw the Mary Chain was on that programme called The Word, and I'd heard of them, but the first time I saw them was a programme called The Word, and they were playing a song called Reverence. And you see a band from Glasgow making this hell of a racket on a prime time 
Channel 4 programme and he's basically screaming, I want to die like Jesus Christ, I want to die on a bed of spikes. And that song got into the top ten of the charts. Makes me, makes me want to spew all across the edge here and annoy that. I mean, <laughs> a, a song is political and is what, what music should be a punch in the face, getting yeah. into the top ten when you actually see that download chart for this week is it makes you it makes you cringe. It actually does. It is. It's one it's gonna be it's gonna be one of the balancing acts we've got for the show going forwards, Kev, is you know, whilst the nineties had sadder times you know, a lot of the time with the with the league table and things, the music was it was easy pickings when we did that cadetti game, mate. Oh and then, looking, and then you're looking at twenty seventeen, Pete Rogers era. The football is brilliant, but the music is is dreadful. I think we might have to just keep sort of alternating between the latter world and the and the earlier world that we can we can sort of relate to. Well, I think we've actually got hope for the fact that Fleetwood Mac and Bob Marley were in the charts at that time. So hopefully, <laughs> so we could we could maybe actually do something like that. Well, I kind of did that last week with George Michael. Kind of was like, oh, yeah, I know it's the greatest hits, and it wasn't his era. But the flip side was. Let's just talk about someone who's actually good. <laughs> Donny, Donny Boy 67 comes in. The first time I seen the chain, they played for half an hour with the backs of the audience and walked off. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if anybody who watches other Russell, that have, have you seen Creation Stories, the story Alan McGee, yeah. which was recently on Sky? Well, basically McGee and the Mary Chain at that time just were... The Mary Chain prepared for me. The Mary Chain prepared Alan McGee for Oasis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, 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 I think makes it does. Sense, eh? It does make sense, right, Russell? That's an hour and five minutes. Uh, we'll need to get out of here to let the studio get took over by some professional people. So, <laughs> thanks to everybody in the comments for joining in. Uh, thanks to Russell. Uh, thanks for me for turning up this week. I need, I need to see fair play to myself for turning up. And remember, everybody, calm down. Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct-to-Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Social Podcast Network. Sports 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 Social Podcast Network. Network.